She served 23 years in the U.S. Army Reserves, retiring at the rank of lieutenant colonel, and now she serves her country as a U.S. senator. Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa joins me today to discuss her new book, Daughter of the Heartland, My Ode to the Country That Raised Me. From the nation's capital, this is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, president and CEO of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Hello, everyone. I'm Penny Nance with Concerned Women for America, and this is Concerned Women Today. My guest today is someone I am so blessed to call a friend. Senator Joni Ernst is with us from the great state of Iowa. Senator Ernst was elected in 2014 as the U.S. Senator from Iowa, making her the first female combat veteran elected to the United States Senate. I find her so inspiring in that she exemplifies strong leadership and courage through commitment to her country and national service. And she's just released an awesome new book entitled Daughter of the Heartland, My Ode to the Country That Raised Me. Senator Ernst, I just have to say I loved your book so much, Daughter of the Heartland, I found so inspirational. I, I could relate to parts of it. At the beginning of your book, you talk about growing up a, on a farm in Stanton, Iowa. In your early years with bread bags on your shoes in the snow and sports and working at the biscuit shift at Hardee's in high school, which, by the way, I worked at Cracker Barrel, so I could totally relate to that. And, of course, famously castrating pigs. So tell us what that was like growing up as a young girl and what you were like. Well, you bet. I did grow up on our family farm in southwest Iowa, just on north of Stanton, which is where I went to school. It's a very small community, not too far away from Red Oak, where I live today, maybe about five, six miles away. But it was a very small family farm, and we were very close as a family, and all of us kids were expected to pitch in with all of the work on the farm. We all had our own chores. I had an older sister and a younger brother, and, you know, my my mom and dad taught us, you know, that, that hard work is a good thing. They really developed, I guess, that work ethic in me, as you will see all across the great state of Iowa. Mm -hmm. So I went to school in Stanton, um, graduated from Stanton High School and went on to college and had many opportunities there as well. And I'd studied very hard. And like you said, I I did work at Hardee's. Um, When it first opened in Red Oak, I was one of the first um, people hired uh, to work at that Hardee's. And and it was great. So I I finally actually was getting a paycheck off the farm. (laughs) It was really (laughs) wonderful. But, you know, doing all of those things, it was just really important. And I think the story of of castrating hogs, you know, when you're cutting hogs, um, understanding that it is very dirty and disgusting work. But again, going back to my mom and dad, I mean, they really taught me that there's really no job beneath me. It it takes Mm -hmm. everybody pitching in together to do it, working with our hands, making ends meet. Um, Of course, the 80s were very tough on farm families, and my father started a heavy construction business um, doing dirt work for other farmers, and my mother took a job in town to get a little extra paycheck, too, but that's how we grew up. Everybody works, everybody pitches in, and and of course, you you get through it with with your faith Mm -hmm. and your family. Well, and that's right. I mean, you know, I I think 
our our upbringings, I wasn't a farm girl, but everybody works, right? Like, you know, and, and for my own children, everybody works. I, and it's something that is so central to most of America. And it's, you know, the only the elites that don't really understand that. And I think that's why they don't understand Trump voters. They don't understand middle America. Um, and, and it's something that you connect to, I think, so well. So you attended Iowa State where you were ROTC scholarshiped, just like my son currently is, and uh, and then became a lieutenant colonel eventually, right, in the Iowa National Guard. Tell me about that. Your time of service is so beautifully written about in your book. Yes, and, and thank you again. Taking uh, what I learned on that farm and growing up in a small rural community, really providing service. And how more could I provide service? And this really hit me when I was on an ag exchange. I went to Ukraine uh, in college, which was part of the former Soviet Union at that time. And I saw there on that collective farm where a number of us Iowa students were staying was how badly they wanted to be like the United States of America. I mean, they hungered for freedom. They wanted to talk about our our form of republic. They just wanted to know what it was like to, to be free and have opportunity. And so, you know, I've always been a very proud American. But when I returned from that, that overseas exchange, you know, in a socialist country, I decided there's more that I can do for my own wonderful country, and that's provide additional service and, and through the armed services. So I joined ROTC, and it really led me into such a different path, um, going on to serve in the Army Reserves and then the Iowa Army National Guard, deploying overseas for Operation Iraqi Freedom One um, as a transportation company commander, but then also the times that I was mobilized to assist the state, whether it was through, you know, flooding, um, you know, I was activated for a uh, hurricane. I didn't mobilize and go to uh, the southern coast, but I was part of that rear detachment doing logistical operations for, you know, our truck drivers that went down to the coast and things like that. So a number of different natural disasters that we faced as a National Guard. And I was just really proud to not only be able to learn from those experiences, but then to witness firsthand how middle America comes together to help each other out in these really difficult times. All right, let's take a break right there, Senator. We'll be back in just a moment. And we're, when we come back, we're going to talk to Senator Ernst about what it's like being a woman in combat, what it's like being a woman in the Senate, and also the very personal side of the fact that Joni Ernst is a human being, just like all of us, with heartbreak and sorrows, and, and just see a little more into her life. Hey, ladies, you're smart, passionate, and savvy. You care about your family, and you care about our nation. That's why you should join Concerned Women for America. I'm Penny Nance, president and CEO of Concerned Women for America, and I pray you will visit ConcernedWomen.org to learn how you can add your voice to the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. That's ConcernedWomen.org. Welcome back. 
I'm joined today by Senator Joni Ernst from the great state of Iowa, and we are discussing her fantastic book, Daughter of the Heartland, in which we really get to see the inside story of Senator Ernst's life growing up on a farm, her military service. She is the first female combat veteran to have served in the United States Senate and has just brought all these lessons from her life. Um, Senator Ernst, one thing that I found so interesting in reading your book as I looked at your life which you talk about is not it's not been perfect right you you suffered sexual harassment you were sexually assaulted in college but I see throughout that that God has used that in your life and I see your heart as a person I think has the the gift of mercy I mean as strong a leader as you are you also are so merciful in that all the work you've done in giving back, working with victims of domestic abuse. You talk about in the book in college, going to hospitals in the middle of the night and, and help, helping care for victims of domestic abuse, answering the hotline. You talk about working with the elderly and working with veterans. So I'd love for you to just sort of talk about just some of the challenges that you've had in life and really how that's formed you. Because I Right now, I know there are women that are listening who think she's a U.S. senator. Like, what does she know about, you know, what it's like to have trials in life? And what you and I know is no one's immune, right? We all have our stories, and as perfect as everything looks from the outside, that is rarely the case because we live in a broken world. The key takeaway from the experiences that I've had is that I have a very strong faith. And I have chosen to be a survivor rather than a victim. And I think it's very empowering to be able to step forward and say, yes, I have gone through some really difficult, challenging times in my life, but my faith in God has brought me through this. And I know when everything else around me is falling apart or feels like it's falling apart, some of those situations I can't control, but I know that there is a plan. And so I did, I went through sexual assault um, with my first boyfriend and it was so hard. And a lot of people would think that, oh, a United States Senator, you must be so self-assured. But as a young woman, you know, I was the smart kid in class. I was the valedictorian, you know, the big pop, uh, pop bottle glasses, you know, and, and oh, we also have that in common. <laughs> Me <laughs> as well. Funny, you know, and just, you know, the, the feeling of a young woman in that, um, no one else will ever love me. I mean, that's what I thought about this first boyfriend who treated me so horribly. And finally, going through so much abuse in that relationship that I finally decided I can, I cannot live through this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. And having the courage to step away from that situation. And I think so many young women need to understand when there is an unhealthy relationship, if you do not feel good about your relationship, you should step away. But again, I, I chose to be a survivor and helping the organization in Ames, Iowa that has helped so many of us as survivors. Um, I decided to give back 
and work on that hotline. And I started working a shift at their shelter and eventually moved up to carrying a beeper for emergency situations and and going out and responding to the hospital calls. Um, Even had gone to the jail um, where a woman had been arrested as well for um, it was a, a mutual uh, physical altercation. And, and so going to visit with her about what services are available. I mean, there was so much um, to give back there. But then also as a veteran, too, you know, so many things that I thought were important. And when my husband was serving overseas in Saudi Arabia, because it was just me at that time, I wanted to continue giving back. And so I volunteered at the VA nursing home in Columbia, South Carolina, there by Fort Jackson. And spending time with those, those men, it was all men in that particular ward, um, World War II veterans, Korea veterans. We even had one Vietnam veteran, um, a couple of younger uh, soldiers that had been injured, permanently injured and placed in the VA nursing home. You know, I just wanted to make sure that I was doing my part to make their lives as comfortable as possible, whether it was help feeding them or walking with them in the halls or taking them to chapel Sunday mornings, you know, whatever I could do to help comfort them and keep them company. Well, I mean, I think this is the interesting thing that I got from your book that I don't know that I totally understood before. I feel like I understand you better. And there is this uh, sort of two parts of your personality. You are a warrior, but you have such a deep well of empathy for people. Your experiences have enabled you to come to the Senate and advocate for body armor that fits women because they were being injured out in the field, right? And to do important work for victims of domestic violence while doing the work of Iowans and making sure that, you know, the things they need are taken care of and that, you know, for flooding issues and, you know, all the other and cutting the pork like you promised. I mean, I just see this two sides to your character, I guess, that I I just would love to know how you think those two things exist at the same time so harmoniously. Well, I was described one time as, you know, the iron inside a velvet glove and I I really appreciated that description I hadn't thought of it like that before um, the way I serve so yes I can be that strong individual that iron fist and moving forward you know standing for my beliefs working on legislation that will benefit Iowans but with that velvet glove I also do have empathy for others because I have walked in in various boots or various shoes before in my lifetime and growing up very humbly on a small family farm. You know, we didn't want the government to come in and and take over our lives. We knew that we could do for ourselves. And that's what my parents taught me. But it was through that that you learn resiliency. And having that resiliency has carried me through many hardships. And having that experience as well then lends to the work that I do, whether it is on sexual assault, whether it's on domestic violence, um, whether it is, um, you know, areas of pushing back against Planned Parenthood, all of those things. I, I really am committed to serving the people of Iowa and do it in a strong fashion and exhibit leadership, but also do it while being 
compassionate. That was the thing that, you know, in your first year, and I, and I met you, and I'm sure you don't even remember it. We were in an event, and there was a bunch of candidates there, and I was so impressed. You had just such quiet dignity, and no one knew you yet. You were just, you were in a primary, five-way primary for the Senate, but you just had such quiet dignity about you, and I just thought it was so impressive, and then you get elected, and I was so surprised because I you know, I know so many senators that maybe they want to lead on the more controversial issues and, and maybe they will, but it's not going to be right off the bat. They're still kind of learning. But right off the bat, your first year, you led on the bill to defund Planned Parenthood. And I was just blown away by that courage. And I just see that as a reflection of the fact that you've been in hard situations. You've been in real war. And um, I, anyway, I just was so impressed with that. Oh, thank you, Penny. No, and, and that's a, the thing that I think more maybe whether they're state legislators or those that are serving in the United States Congress, I wish more would understand um, is that, and I've always had this attitude that I was elected for one term. That one term mm-hmm. is six years. And I'm not going to wait two, three, four years to represent the people of Iowa in the United States Senate. They expect me to work. So right away, engaging in difficult issues and making Iowans' voices heard, that was really important. So, again, you know, I can't have this attitude that Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm just going to wait. I'll let somebody else do the heavy lift. So that, well, like was, so many other issues, you know, I'm, I've got that thick skin, but I've got that drive and determination. Well, I always think, like, why did you come? Because I know what hard work it is to get elected. I think you're one of the people who love your constituents and love principle enough that you're not going to play it safe. You're going to do the right thing. And again, I just respect that so deeply. And by the way, I think you are the perfect study for someone who wants to run for public office. I think the fact that President Trump got elected out of nowhere, although he was a well-known public figure, but as a businessman outsider, like I see so many candidates coming to me and he's always the example, right? They're like, I want to be a senator and I've never run for anything before. And I always say, you know, I think you need to start out, you know, more at a local level and learn the lessons. And you and you did that. You know, we, we can talk about President Trump, but honestly, he's the unicorn. It's not the norm of how people, the normal path. Um, but you started as county auditor where you learned about dirty politics. And you know what? I know that local politics can be the hardest and meanest. And then you filled Kim Reynolds' old seat, who's now governor of, of Iowa. And I love her, by the way, a great pro-life woman. And then you got elected to Tom Harkins' old seat and joined Chuck Grassley in the United States Senate. That was a hard-fought race. In You know, tell me about that. Yes, um, and I I did. I started my political career at the local level. You know, it's right where the rubber meets the road. And if you really want to learn about politics and the impact on your citizens, run at the local level. You know, the people that would come into my office and, you know, farmers, who you know, the insurance agents, whoever it happened to be, they come in, lean on the countertop and, you know, just like you would picture 
you know, I often think of my hometown as very similar to Mayberry, you know, where just people are always trying to do good and it's friendly, um, Iowa nice. And they come in and lean on the counter and they could explain what was going on in their daily lives or, you know, what the impact would be to them if the county would do so-and-so and, you know, just a great experience for me. And then understanding how local government works. I think I've been blessed to serve at so many different levels and learn so much, not just about the, the people of Iowa, you know, which we do our county tours. You know, I did county tours in the state Senate, but I do a 99-county tour every year following right. suit with Chuck Grassley, you know, who's done it for over 40 he's years. He's in his 80s um, and is still rocking it. Still rocking it. He is amazing. Yeah. But, you know, to have such a great mentor then when I get to the, the federal level as well and just really knowing grassroots politics, that's what it is, getting to know Iowans, getting to know your constituents, I, you know, having that direct knowledge is really, really important. All right, two last questions, because I just have to ask you about both of these things. Senator, you have dealt with pain, public pain, through the infidelity of your husband and the dissolution of your marriage in a very hard way. That is difficult under any circumstances, but yet you're having to go through this in the public eye. I'd love to just kind of hear how you managed to survive that. A lot of prayer, um, I'll be honest. It was very hard to live that out in public when everybody thinks everything's going great and then all of a sudden wow you know the senator's you know getting a divorce her husband has asked for a divorce and is moving on with someone new and it was very hard i was worried about the scrutiny that i would face just having grown up as a christian and and to me when i took those vows it meant that I would be with this man for the rest of my life through better and worse. And it didn't end like that. And it was so sad. I mean, I was, I was devastated. I think anybody that has been through that situation completely understands, you know, the rug is just ripped out from under you, but I was doing my best to keep that stiff upper lip. Again, the resiliency, just drive through those hard times. You know, don't show that anything's wrong. And it eventually got to a point where people could see, you know, that it it was bothering me. And especially when um, the information about the abuse came out and and the circumstances that I had been living under for for a while. you know, it just became easier to recognize that uh, through prayer and counseling um, that, you know, my I would find a path through. And I still know that I do have joy. And wow. I have a beautiful I daughter just... from our union. And she truly is the light of my life. And, and I have a supportive family and wonderful friends. And I'm so grateful. For all of that. Well, I mean, I think it's important. I love it that you were able to kind of go there or willing to go there because I, you know, you're not alone. And, and, you know, even if we have not struggled personally, we have friends and family that struggle. And I just think for women who are, feel so broken and shattered to be able to say, gosh, you know, 
a U.S. senator has experienced the same thing, and she's struggling through the pain and probably crying at night, you know, when no one's looking and getting through, and I can too. So I just appreciate you. I am praying for you, and, and I just want you to know that I, I just, we're here for you, and um, and love you and, and know that God has got a plan for your life. And, you know, this is just one chapter. It's not the final chapter. Well, Senator, I will wrap with that. You have been so generous with your time and you've given us so much. But I just want to thank you so much. You bet. I really think, Penny, that it is important because I know that probably so many of your listeners have gone through hardship and struggles through their lifetimes. Many people do. And like you said, whether it has an impact of you, maybe it's impact a family member or a friend. And the important thing is to remember that those singular moments don't define who we are as a person. And we can drive on through and experience joy. We just have to continue getting up in the morning, praying, getting through it. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. God is still in charge. God's still in heaven. And he's not wringing his hands wondering what to do right now. So that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Senator Ernst. And thank you for joining us on Concerned Women Today. Thanks for listening. Concerned Women Today is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the nation's largest public policy women's organization. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.